Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. So in my last podcast, I began this two-part series called Learning How to Learn, and I only covered one of 10 principles or truths uh, of learning, and that was the issue of modalities. You can go back and listen to that podcast, and, and of course, you can search these out online and really begin to learn about how it is that people learn best. Everybody has an, an individual learning style, and it begins by understanding their modality. Now, let me share nine, very quickly nine other truths of learning uh, that I'll just give in principle and basic form. And then of course you can follow up on them, but these are the ones that made the biggest difference for me. We have been taught for years that people ought to learn in one place. Um, and that somehow the stimulus of that one place helped them learn better. That's been disproven. So my second principle, the first is modalities. My second truth, principle, step, whatever you want to call them is vary the location of learning. Vary the location of study in a home. Allow a student to sit at his desk in his room or lay on the bed or lay on the floor or go to the kitchen table or learn on the roof, you know, if there's some kind of a widow's walk or, or landing up there or learn on the back patio. Psychologists have learned that the brain picks up more than just the information we're trying to study. It also picks up the surrounding light and certain other stimulus from the location, and that actually variety of that kind of stimulus actually helps us learn better. It deepens the learning. So uh, while you know older students will have their desks and will study primarily at their desk, you know I work at a desk almost every day. Um, that's not necessarily the best way to enhance learning. It's good for certain disciplines when you're older, uh, but when you're trying to first get the brain to really get good at some of these processes, it's better to do the study in a variety of places. Okay. Another trick uh, that psychologists have very much uh, affirmed is that you ought to do like kinds of skills or like kinds of learning in a given setting. So for example, if you have a lot of memorizing to do from three or four different subjects, uh, do that all in one sitting. Okay. Do that, do that kind of mental activity. Then if you have a lot of reading to do for a variety of subjects, do all that reading uh, to, in one sitting at another time. Uh, in other words, it's more important that you do uh, t types of mental tasks at a sitting than that you do, you know, all of one subject at a sitting. For example, don't do all of your history at one sitting, do all the history reading with the English reading, with the social studies reading or whatever uh, at one sitting, and then do all the memorizing from all those subjects uh, at another sitting. Uh, this enhances all of it, according to psychologists. One of the principles, by the way, I'm now on number four. I've done modalities, vary the studying location, and do like skills in a given sitting. Number four is review. Uh, this is very hard to get students to do, but if you'll go to class uh, and review your notes by the end of the day, just sometime at night, review your notes from that class. Then review those notes again within 72 hours. And then um, review everything, let's say every week or so, uh, you will hardly have to study come the final or the midterm. 
Uh, review is the key. It's very hard to get kids to do this. They like to throw stuff into their notes and then wait until the final and then cram. Well, it doesn't work very well and it creates a lot of stress and the stress itself gets in the way of the learning process. So review. Just review. Just sit down and read your notes. Look over your notes. Look over the marks you made in the books you read You know, for class. Um, just review. Do it the same day. Do it within 72 hours of the original uh, you know, exposure to the material, and then do it about every week. If you'll just take time sitting over pizza, doing a little reviewing, you will find that you will know the material better. Therefore, you'll enjoy studying, and uh, you will learn it more deeply and more lastingly. Parents, number five is that one of the most important factors for elementary uh, school kids, in fact, I don't think this changes in high school or junior high, is parental involvement. If you'll show an interest in the learning process, if you won't take it as drudgery, and by the way, be very careful about your words and your anger and your harping and your, you know, and never, never say to a student how stupid they are, how they don't do things well. If you'll create a positive learning environment, be be motivational, be encouraging, get involved. Hey, let's do this together. Come on, this will be fun. And create a positive attitude towards learning. Maybe everybody in the family is all sitting in the living room, you know, quietly reading. Everybody's reading their own stuff, but we're all doing it as a family or whatever. Um, this really will work. It makes a huge difference. But parental involvement can be as much as 60% of academic success in the younger ages. Number six is what I call the vision factor. And that is many times we're asking people to learn things for which they have absolutely no motivation or vision. Uh, the vision factor is huge. If a kid is going to go to into a history class, and maybe it's a bit daunting to them, well, there are lots of movies that can be watched. There are lots of ways the parent can say, oh, man, this stuff is fascinating. Man, the Civil War is unbelievable. And then maybe you go visit a Civil War museum or you watch some movies together and you, you create a positive vision. Um, if they have to learn a certain kind of complex math, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you have a conversation where you say, well, this is the math that got us to the moon, or this is the math at the heart of computers, or this is how you build a so-and-so when you know a certain kind of math, or, or maybe they watch something on YouTube where some kid did the math and figured out something cool. And now math becomes a friend rather than an enemy. You, you understand what I mean? Uh, build a vision for the material. This is true at every age. Number seven, note-taking. Most people, when they take notes, take transcripts. They try to write down everything that's said. That is not the way to do it. Think of your notes as the labels for drawers, like, like dresser of drawers, like the drawers your socks are in. Write down the labels, write down the broad information, and then listen to what's being said. And review so that the, your more limited notes, your skimpier notes, uh, simply open up drawers of memory in your brain. You cannot write down a transcript of what's being said. You will lose track, you will become frustrated, and your notes won't make any sense. More is less, okay? Less is more is maybe the way I should say it. Fewer notes, listening more, produces easier review and better academic performance. There's no question about that. I urge you, this is number eight, to learn how to speed read. It's very, very simple. If you move your eyes in a great big circle right now where you're sitting listening to me, don't do it if you're driving, um, you'll notice that your eyes move kind of jerky from one, from one position to another. But if you take your finger and move it in a big circle, 
um, you'll find that your eyes don't move in a jerky fashion. You'll also find that your eyes can move faster following your finger than they can just moving on their own. It's because of the limited control the optic nerve has um, unless there's something for the eye to follow. I do not believe in the kind of speed reading that assumes people can absorb an entire page with one little blink. But I do, even to this day, read with my finger and I read running it as I read as rapidly as I can and absorb the material, understand the material. So I run my finger uh, over the material. Uh, and sometimes I even use a scrolling effect on the app I use for reading in my iPad uh, so that it makes makes my eye move fast. And I double, triple, quadruple my reading uh, over, over natural reading easily, easily. Um, and I do it all the time. And it's one of the reasons I'm able to absorb so much material. So learn some method of speed reading, but make sure it's no faster than you can actually absorb. Your brain can actually absorb far more than your eye can take in without some kind of help from your hand. Okay. Finally, the last two, number nine is the harmony factor. There are many, many studies to confirm that students do better when they like their teacher and build some harmony rather than see the teacher as an enemy who's trying to hurt them, hold out on them, damage them, flunk them, whatever. Sit to the front. Say hi to the teacher once in a while. Hang after class and ask a question. I am not talking about brown nosing. That would be silly. I'm saying just build a positive rapport. A positive rapport with the teacher is a huge part of success in academia, and most students absorb from their other friends kind of an animosity to their teachers as though they're the enemy, and it makes learning a tug of war rather than a partnering process. So build harmony. And then finally, harmony in uh, the home factor. The condition of the home and the way it's conducive for learning is a huge part of academic success, not just in the younger grades, but older. I'll tell you one of my favorite stories, and then I'll end for this podcast. Um, there was a very poor African-American woman in the South. She could not read. She had nine children and she was determined, her husband died early, she was determined that these kids would be a success. So even though she couldn't read, she put books in the home. Uh, she would go buy used books whenever she had any extra money and she would put them in the home. And yes, she would urge her children to read them, but many of them weren't the kind of books the kids could read until they were much older. But she was living out a principle we now know to be true, just the presence of books in a home, just an environment in which conversation about learning is happening, just an environment in which there's excitement about learning and new facts, which this woman was able to do even though she couldn't read. Uh, it will create an environment in which students can thrive. And so what's amazing about this story, and it's one I hope that you'll do some research on and look up. Uh, this woman had nine children, every single one of them, doctors, lawyers, inventors, genius professors. Um, why? Because a poor black woman in South Alabama simply created an environment of learning when she could not have provided that learning on her own. And now she's got nine very high achieving and intellectually oriented children who, of course, sing her praises. And by the way, one of them taught her to read in, in her later life. Isn't that great? So create an environment that encourages learning in the home. These are the 10 things that made the difference for me. There's a world of advice out there to help you learn better. Make the study of how to learn part of what you study. And if you'll do that now and encourage it in your home, you will find great results. 
Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author and popular speaker who coaches and advises leaders worldwide. To learn more about Stephen, log on to stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote and performed the Rockin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production. Chartwell is ingeniously led by Beverly Darnell Mansfield. As a result, all rights are reserved. For more information, contact us through stephenmansfield.tv.